Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows throughout each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and this fun discussion show, which features various guests, will continue to be on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Wednesday features Circle of Nature with none other than Selena Fox. The second and fourth Friday of each month features Songs of the Pagan Tribe, hosted by Kern Greenman. Let's talk more pagan music. He explores the songs, people, and the wonderful, inspiring world of pagan music. The third Friday of each month features Blue Marble, an eco-educational, eco-restorational, and eco-spirituality podcast that features adventures and stories about climate impacts with climate solutions and how you can manifest good energy for the planet. And please join us for a special Blue Marble on Thursday, September 14th for Circle Sanctuary Presents at the Parliament of World's Religions 2023. This special, this Blue Marble special will feature Circle Sanctuary ministers, Selena Fox, and community members who went to the Parliament of World's Religions this year as delegates and represented Circle Sanctuary, paganism, nature religions, people of the earth, and people of faith standing together with a call of conscience. It is a special you do not want to miss. Celebrate the next full moon online with Circle Sanctuary Community. The theme is Harvest and takes place on Friday, September 29th. Full moon circles begin at 7 p.m. Central or 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain or 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Circle Sanctuary full moon circles include invocations, music, meditations, poetry, reflections, and ritual workings. They are facilitated by Circle Sanctuary Ministers, Reverend Selena Fox and Reverend Judith Sizes, plus other members of the Circle Sanctuary community. Those joining online are invited to bring a candle to Kindle during the ritual and are invited to interact with others in the chat on YouTube. Attendance is free and no registration is required. For more information, please go to circlesanctuary.org. Tonight on Circle Talk, as we explore massage therapy through the lens of magic and ritual, Deborah D'Angelo will be discussing her newest book, Sacred Massage and Ritual of Soothing Touch, Harnessing the Healing Power of Touch Through Spiritual Bodywork. Deborah D'Angelo has been a massage practitioner for more than 20 years. She runs her own private practice where she incorporates spiritual techniques into every session. In addition to developing her own method, deep massage, deep Swedish massage, Deborah is trained in hot stone, reflexology, Reiki, and other massage styles. 
Besides being a published author, she also writes for stories and book reviews for Sage Women and Witches and Pagans magazine. This is her third book, so I am very excited to have her on tonight. If you want more information, please visit her website at DeborahDeAngelo.com. She also told me she has Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so we'll have to get all the information from her. Let's welcome Deborah to Circle Talk. Welcome, Deborah. Hello there. <laughs> welcome. Congratulations on your third book. Well, thank you so much. I'm I'm really pleased with the way it turned out. <laughs> That is so exciting. Now, um, is writing a book something that you thought you would always do, or how did you how did you get into that? Well, I got into it sort of sideways. I was mm-hmm. a columnist and newspaper editor going on 27 years, so spent the bulk of my life doing that. But, um, you know, midway through, I, I discovered I don't like supervising people and I don't like to be supervised so Mm -hmm. I'd rather be in charge of myself and and what I really wanted was just to be at home in my pajamas and write whatever I wanted and Mm -hmm. I didn't really know how that was going to happen but it ended up um, the universe lined that one up I didn't really make it happen it just kind of (laughs) happened so well, I, it began with the book about horses, and that's where everything took a big right turn. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have your Llewellyn book, um, Pagan Curious, which is an excellent book. I've actually bought and given that to um, seekers who come and who are new and who are interested. That's a very good book. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really poured my heart into that one because I wanted to welcome people to this wonderful community because when I discovered it, you know, I had to go Mm -hmm. seeking, searching and looking around and I didn't even know what I was looking for. I didn't even have words to describe what I was looking for. And there was nobody to welcome me in. I had to kind of like wheedle my way into the party on my own. And I thought, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be nice if someone that said, hey, the door's over here. Come on in. It's all good. And so I wanted it to be a really gentle um, welcome and enough that people would be able to feel comfortable going to a pagan event or reaching out to a pagan group. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it is a wonderful book. So I take it then from what you just said that you weren't raised pagan. No, I was raised um, completely agnostic. I I didn't have any religious upbringing at all. Um, I had my mother's family were Jehovah Witness. And I knew that 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 angle of viewing wasn't your path. Me a lot yeah, of anxiety, a whole lot of anxiety as a child. But there was no religious um, influence at all. In fact, in our house, um, we did have um, the Holy Bible, and my father mm-hmm. did it in a secret place in the basement next to the Playboys. He <laughs> 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 was hidden away. Uh, religion just wasn't part of our life. And right. then uh, after I got married when I was young, I moved to a very small town. It, it only it didn't even have a stoplight with three colors. Mm-hmm. And um, the, there, I didn't know anybody, and I was very isolated and kind of wandered into a church one day and mm-hmm. sort of did about 10 years exploring through 
several Christian churches wearing a costume. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. I was going along with it to make friends, but it never felt right. Mm-hmm. And um, I was uh, in my mid thirties or so, and one day I just it, it just finally had hit a tipping point, and I said I can't do this anymore. It feels completely disingenuous. It doesn't feel honest. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I just kind of floundered for several years and mm-hmm. uh, saw a, a poster on a wall somewhere about a pagan harvest festival mm-hmm. and something said go to that go to that and I wandered in all by myself and looked around and it was like it just sort of took my breath away I went oh this is this is where I belong this is this is the thing I've been looking for and um that was the start of my path it just randomly wandering in and that was a really special day to me so that's how it happened by accident yeah if if my book had been out i might have been able to pick my book up you know but back then we didn't have all these wonderful books that we have now that weren't written yet i mean we had all the classics you know but yeah um, we didn't have the internet there was no you know there's no YouTube. There was there was nothing to turn to. There were books if you could find them, and people if you could find them. And um, things have changed a lot since then. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your story is so familiar. Um, again, I've read so many and talked to so many people who said that um, people, because a lot of people who follow Earth Center Path also believe in reincarnation, and in in many lives, and they said. It's not so much that you discover paganism, is that you remember it. It's something that you've had. And, and if you ever go to a pagan spirit gathering, um, when you come in, it's such a great ritual. When you come into the front gate, the uh, people who check you in, they say, welcome home. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like you're returning. So I totally share your sentiment. And I, and I think a lot of people would agree with, with they had the same path that you did. I really get that because I always I always felt my whole life I was homesick for somewhere I'd never been. Right. And when I walked into that pagan festival, I went, this is it. I finally found it. <laughs> that is so cool. So how did you um, – so I know that writing and journalism has always been part of your life. How did you come across massage therapy and body work? Well, you talk about it in the book, and I found that so interesting. <laughs> no problem. Um, I was in my late 30s, and um, I needed to get out of my first marriage to save my mm-hmm. own life psychologically. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really frightened financially because journalism is not the most lucrative industry in the world. It's, it's right in there with fast food in terms of how much uh-huh. money you make. And I knew I needed another income, and I didn't want to have – I didn't want to do anything that involved sitting at the computer even longer. It it was just Mm -hmm. too much computer. I said, I want something totally different. And I just had remembered doing a story about a massage therapist here in town. I often did feature stories on on new people or interesting people. And he'd given me a little demo, a little back massage. And I remembered Mm -hmm. that, and I I thought, maybe that. And so I did, you know, a little bit of searching, and turns out there was a really excellent massage school just in the next town down the road. And I went over and visited and signed up and 
you know, is one of those experiences where you feel like you're in fast forward. Like, am I really doing this? Is this happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's happening. And it wasn't like a logical decision or a well thought out decision. It was, mm-hmm. it was completely a gut reaction to where you get the mm-hmm. feeling of just jump, jump through the door. And I mm-hmm. followed, and so it began. And not it it happened not long after I discovered the pagan world. So the the Isn't two that learning process, yeah, the two learning processes sort of evolved in parallel paths, and. Um, that was where I started noticing similarities. I mean, when I was in massage school, one of the very first things they teach you is grounding and centering. You know, mm-hmm. so and I'm thinking, well, that's what we do in ritual. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that sounds familiar. <laughs> that sounds familiar. These are words I know. And um, just over the course of years, I started realizing that, hmm, what I'm doing here in the massage room is essentially a ritual. It has mm-hmm. an intention for healing. It has an implementation, which is the massage process. And mm-hmm. it has a manifestation. It, at the end, you, you put that energy to the person and up to the universe and spread that healing energy around and and return them to the world to, to feel better, you know? So... Mm-hmm. The parallels were just really striking to me. And then I started realizing over time, you know, why not bring deity into this? And through massage, mm-hmm. I've come to deeply appreciate Kuan Yin. She is just well represented all through my massage room and, and her imagery and just her her extreme compassion. And, and um, bringing that in really makes a difference too because there are times, you know, with massage therapy, um, if you're having a bad day, you can't go into the massage room and, and continue to have a bad day. You right. have to put that outside and come in and be 100% present for that person. And I, I, I look up at her images and I say, let, let your compassion flow through me. So I don't have to really drum that up. She channels that through me. And I even had one client say one day, it was one of her first couple of appointments, and she's mm-hmm. not a particularly religious person, not a pagan person. Mm-hmm. She says, I felt a lady standing next to us. She says, is that weird? And I just smiled. I said, that was Kuan Yin. That was her energy. Absolutely. But she said, I could feel it, you know. And I went, yeah, there's there's something happening here in this little special room. <laughs> so cool. And what I find interesting is, because um, um, I teach public classes, a lot of, of folks, um, a lot of pagans or people who are in earth space, uh, earth spirituality, are really into their head. They read a lot. Yeah. They study a lot. Um, many of them will read a hundred books on um, candle magic, but actually not touch a candle. So um, you <laughs> really created a bridge between both worlds. I mean, journalism is a very in-your-head profession, and then oh, going to that to a massage practitioner. Um, I mean, that's just like 188 turn, 180 uh, degree turn. That's really cool. So, well, yeah, journalism is not necessarily a compassionate or even friendly environment. Right. I mean, there are times when you go into situations with your fists up and your knives out, and that is actually not my nature. But mm-hmm. through that job, I had to learn to do it. Sort of, sort of like Patty Hearst had to learn to sling this machine gun it right. wasn't her nature but journalism right. uh 
I, I didn't go to school for journalism, so I had to learn that on the job as well. Right. So what I actually went to school for was social work and mm-hmm. um, counseling. So I've had a really, you know, if you live long enough, you can have a pretty eclectic. Absolutely. And, and, and we're going to touch on it in a second. There's a lot of um, magical techniques, and you build that into your book. But I read mm-hmm. your book, and I actually think that that approach that you have, you could fit into any spiritual framework. This is not necessarily oh, a pagan book. This is a spiritual book. And I, for me, that's very different. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Because there, there are really two tracks for this book. You could take this book strictly on its physical therapeutic track to provide right. massage to a loved one, family member, child, and learn those physical techniques and bring spirituality into it. Conversely, if you're already a magical person and you're already doing ritual and you have a love or a passion for healing, you can add the massage techniques into your ritual work. And for those people, the ritual and magic sections will seem really familiar. And uh, I know a lot of uh, magical practitioners are really fond of Reiki. Reiki Mm -hmm. isn't, isn't really my favorite. It's like writing with my left hand. I, the mm-hmm. urge to touch is so strong that to not touch is it's uh, interfering for me. It's like mm-hmm. it's like if I could just lay my hands on this person, it would be better. And um, Reiki's not my go-to, but although I have a couple clients that really love it, and I do it for them, um, but it seems like you, you know if you go to any pagan festival, you could throw a stick in any direction and hit a, a Reiki master. And yeah, like I I, uh, I practice Reiki, but that's interesting. I was um, in my mundane life. I I was um, taught and did therapeutic touch first, mm-hmm. which is uh-huh. in the medical profession has been for a while. And so I have to tell you, I do Reiki, but I typically touch people when I do Reiki. So oh, awesome. I have found I have found I don't know why, but for me it's much stronger yeah, when I actually that, lightly that touch them. Yeah, and and so what I'm saying is all these people that they do Reiki because maybe they're afraid that the physical massage techniques are right. difficult or it's not legal or they shouldn't be doing that. And I just want to say, no, if, if you're already interested in Reiki, you can go one more step. You can really do the massage techniques. So, so the book doesn't give you any sort of license. You know, you can't charge money for a massage or right. call yourself a massage therapist. But as a healing ritual, um, there's so many, like just an endless list of things that massage benefits. And some people turn to a doctor, some people turn to a massage therapist, some people turn to a magical practitioner, and some people turn to a loved one. And I'm such a massage enthusiast, um, and and I practice what I preach. I see a massage therapist every week, too. Mm -hmm. I think it's crucial to maintaining your mental and physical health, particularly as you get older. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just valuable for so many reasons as a health practice, not as a fluffy treat, but as a health practice. And when you start getting massage every week, notice. And that the hitch is financially it's out of reach for so many people. That's another reason I wrote the book is that – 
you could be providing massage to someone who needs it. You might have, for example, a child with autism spectrum disorder mm-hmm. or a, a, a elderly um, loved one in a convalescent home or, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe you live in a rural area where it's a two-hour drive to the next town. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to break your wallet or dream measures to see a massage therapist. You really can learn to do this. And And another angle of this is, Two people who want to get massage but can't really afford it or don't have access to it, you could learn these techniques together, taking right, turns and do each and other, and give each other massage. And when you when you add regular massage into your life, it's it's really transformative. It, it's funny. I have read um, articles, and I want to get your thoughts. That um, as a culture, I'm talking about, um, you know, our Western that we are, um, we've confused sex and intimacy and touch, and that even though people may have been having sex regularly, that they are touch-deprived. And so, uh, uh, yeah, so talk a little bit about that. I think that's, again, I have seen massage therapists, and and, um, it's a different type of touch. I mean, it, it feels like it physiologically does things to the body, I mean, serotonin and dopamine, and, and you just oh, feel awesome. much different. <laughs> Literally changes your cortisol levels to be touched. Um, you have in your skin these little mechanisms called Pacinian corpuscles. And what mm-hmm. they do is detect touch and mm-hmm. sense of pressure. And those corpuscles communicate with your vagus nerve which calms the whole system down and is very important in the relaxation process. And they respond to touch. And mm-hmm. um, we are a super touch-deprived society. So you mentioned, like, mm-hmm. you know, you have a person who you have a sexual partner. Well, when something right. is sexual or foreplay, it's it's goal-oriented. Right. And it's, there's, a, there's an end goal in sight, and you're, you're working towards that. But touch right. is not goal-oriented other than just being present in that moment um, right. is a whole different kind of touch because it, it's just a different experience and a different energy. And the Absolutely. thing is, a lot of times, you know, for women, this is a really common thing. Touch means, oh, we need to have sex. What if I don't want to have sex right, right now? There's a lot of pressure, right. you know. And so to be touched without that pressure it's kind of a new experience. It's like, oh, I can, you can touch me just for, for, you know, loving, soothing touch. Right. That's all. There, right. There's no thing I have to do to receive this touch, or I can right. just lay here and be safe. And and the other complicating right. thing that we've become so touch phobic in this country, the whole um, Me Too movement, which had to happen. It's sort of like right. the baby went out with bathwater. Like teachers yes. can no longer put a hand on a shoulder or rub a child's back or stroke right. the hair, things that would normally be calming, especially to like an ADD child. I, I raised my right. own ADD child, and I would tell them, put your hand on his shoulder because the kinesthetic um, touch kind of just short circuits all the things going on mm-hmm. <laughs> in his head. Touch, touch is good, but teachers can't touch the kids anymore and they can't hug yeah. them. And I think it's so sad that we can't hug people anymore because it might be something else, you know. 
999 times out of a thousand it's not sexual oriented but that one time frightens everyone and so all touch is suspect you know um the other thing that's really healing in massage is particularly for people who have been physically or sexually abused mm-hmm. uh, the experience of being touched by anyone else becomes scary and and mm-hmm. can even become almost leaning to phobia and um, touch hurts or touch is scary. And when you have a relationship with a massage therapist or you're trading massage with a friend, mm-hmm. that feeling of you, you over time discover I'm completely safe right now for this hour. Mm-hmm. Nothing will happen to me. As long as I'm un- with this person, I can fall asleep. I can completely relax. But for some people, to have just even an hour where they feel completely safe is is life changing. Mm-hmm. You do a really good job in your book too about, um, if I remember, talking about different types of touch, uh, um, um, like deep massage. And it's funny, I've had problems where I um, went to massage once. And uh, it was a Groupon. It was cheap. That should tell me something. But <laughs> the person said, um, if there's no pain, there's no gain. And oh, my God. it hurt. It hurt. And I was sore when she told me to flip over. And she said that, no pain, no gain. And I'm like, uh, oh, my gosh. So then I didn't do ther- a massage for a long time. And I actually met someone in my spiritual group who was a massage therapist. And he said, no, it, you know, come to me. But if that ever happens again, you just tell them the pressure's too hard. But, um, yeah. and then when I read your book, there's like, and I'm sure that was deep massage, but there's lots of different things that you can do so it, that everyone could find something that works for them. Oh, totally. And and I personally, unless, I'll say the exception is if you're getting therapeutic massage for an injury, or recovering right. from a three, or you're in sports. Sports massage is super painful. Right. Those kind of things, like like when I was in physical therapy after shoulder surgery, the the mm-hmm. things that they would have me doing would have me in tears. But it was mm-hmm. the only way I would ever get the movement back in my right. shoulder. So I would say those things are the exception. But otherwise, a massage therapist that says they need to hurt you to heal you, um, that would be the <laughs> no, last time I'd be. No, that would just be no, a big no. So it is true that um, over time you may get more benefit from deeper pressure if you have a lot of tight muscles and tight tendons. Right. But you don't just dive into someone. That's like, like, you know, trying to to press into hard clay or or if you've ever had cold bubble gum, it just snaps. It doesn't stretch. So if the person breathes and inhale and exhale comfortably, and the pain is so distracting that they can't relax, that's that's not therapeutic. Um, yeah. And some people, especially like people with fibromyalgia, their experience of pain isn't the same as everyone else's. And those those Pacinian corpuscles, instead of detecting pressure, they detect pain. So my personal bias is it's that person's hour and they're the expert of what hurts them. And what I tell people, oh, I like is, that. If if it feels like pushing on a bruise, that's therapeutic to a muscle. If it's sharp, like a needle, 
that's too much. Right. If it makes you, you know, inhale suddenly or tense up, it's too much. And, um, you know, if if it's too deep, it's too deep. Even if I think they might be better if I went deeper. If if they can't handle it, then it's okay. It's your body and your experience. We won't do that, and and we'll work up to it over time. And and the interesting thing, I have two uh, clients that have fibromyalgia, and when I began with them, um, their uh, experience of touch was very extreme. And so in my mind, (laughs) I would imagine that I was massaging a bubble, and I didn't want to break the bubble. And that's literally how... Oh, that's so clever. And, And over time... I'd try a little deeper here, a little deeper there. And, you know, over the course of weeks, now these people came weekly, but over the course of weeks and months, little by little, both of them are having massage at basically a therapeutic level. But they both told me they'd gone to massage therapists and the massage therapists hurt them. And they didn't believe them that that hurt. And that's the craziest thing on earth to me. Why would you not believe what a person tells you? If they say it hurts, it hurts. <laughs> that's the end of the story. Yeah, so. that's so funny. Oh, well, I also had that experience. You also do a really good book. It's funny because I have tried to um, give massage, or, you know, especially Reiki or whatever. I do mm-hmm. not have a massage table. And I will say mm-hmm. bending over a bed or a couch uh, after a certain period of time hurts my back. So you do mm-hmm. a really good job talking about that and talking about yeah, things I make, that you can do I make a if hard you don't have a table. Yeah. yeah, I make a hard pitch for that. And I know it's the sum it may seem like, well, I can't get that. But, you know, there are free massage tables on Craigslist <laughs> and, and well, garage sales all the time. I think if I had it, I would be more inclined <laughs> to use it for people because now it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, my back kind of hurts now. I don't want to do that. So, yeah, I thought that was really, really smart how you laid that out in your book. Well, and also, if you're in pain, that's a distraction to the therapeutic process. Yeah. That, that, your brain's not going to let you stop thinking about your own pain, and that, that contaminates the whole situation. So you have to try and make yourself be as comfortable as you can. Now, those that do this professionally – um, you have to be in for the long haul. And that's that's also a third track for this book, are people who are already massage therapists right. want that spiritual angle. They want that right. magic angle because they don't get into that in massage school. At least they didn't when I was in school at all. That's like we're just going to leave politics and religion out. <laughs> but um, someone who's already doing massage therapy, I think that it could really enhance what they're doing and, and refresh their energy. Oh, I can look at it like this instead of just this thing that I do. Instead of like working on a car for an hour, it can be right. way more meaningful. And and yeah, yeah. So okay, I talked myself into a corner. <laughs> no, I was gonna. No, I was. I have questions to ask you. I know you're trained in hot stone and and a lot of different massage therapies, but you developed your own blended deep Swedish massage, and I'm just interested what that is. Well, it's it's based on a basic Swedish massage training. That was my basic mm-hmm. schooling. Right. And then I I also took deep tissue therapy. So I used some deep tissue techniques, but not all of them, because I know 
some of the techniques are painful for almost everybody. So mm-hmm. unless somebody says, you know, I really need this work done, I, I will pull those out of my pocket. But mm-hmm. uh, I do tend to go deeper than most than a basic Swedish massage. The Swedish massages are really good for warming and softening up like the whole all the layers of the skin and making them nice mm-hmm. and smooth and relaxed. But they aren't necessarily down into the muscle too much. Mm-hmm. So I lot deeper than a regular massage but I I can adjust that I can go super deep and I can go super light so I can go all over the place and then little things I picked up here and there it's like it's like I'm a I collect them in my basket and if it works it works I I've I've borrowed some things from uh, polarity therapy and and Mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of things if I find a way to work it in like for example um my chiropractor used to use on me a gua sha. To, that's a, a flat rock that you do a lot of scraping over the muscle fibers, along the length of the fibers, and mm-hmm. it'll bruise you. It'll hurt, but, man, is it effective. And the physical therapists do the same thing with, um, I'm having a, a, a senior moment here, what the tool is called, Grafton tool. It's a mm-hmm. steel blade, and this is a really common thing to do this scraping technique on uh, muscle fiber that's really bound up and has a lot of adhesions and is tight. So rather than use the tools, I can get the same effect using the, my ridge of knuckles. I can, I can mm-hmm. recreate that scraping movement for certain things. Now, that's certainly not a Swedish massage technique. That's right. That's something entirely different. But I find... It's really good to just have a whole lot of different tools in your kit. And um, if you think, how am I going to solve this problem? Oh, there's a way to do that, or here's a way to do that. And um, if it works, it works. You know, <laughs> I throw that in there too. It kind of becomes like a massage soup. <laughs> That's really good. And um, I find it so interesting. I know that, and like you, I believe that that touch is, is magical. But tell me mm-hmm. when that process for you, um, you had this new profession, you had this new spirituality. How did those two things intersect when, um, which is the basis of this book, that it's a spiritual practice? How did, those, how did you incorporate those two things? It was with a particular client. I was sitting there, you know, every massage we start face down, we end face up, and every massage mm-hmm. would end with working on the neck and the face and the scalp, and it's kind of peaceful. Mm-hmm. It's and my favorite. This one, <laughs> this one particular client, I was ending with her head being mm-hmm. cupped in my hand. And I looked at her and flashed on my own infants when they were falling asleep in my arms, just complete. And I'm sitting there with her head in my hands, and it occurs to me, I'm holding her entire existence in my hands. Everything wow. she's ever known or ever done is resting in my hands. And it just struck me as so spiritual. And it, it was sort of like that was the, that was the, the trigger. Or I went, this, this is something much more than me relaxing muscles. This is a sacred experience. This is... This is going back to your own mother's arms. 
This is where, you know, mm-hmm. babies, when they just relax and they become so heavy and limp, that's how my clients are. They're heavy and limp, and it's it's that chance to return to being cradled and safe. And it is really sacred. And and it's, it's the massage techniques plus the spiritual techniques equals the sacred experience, you know. And, and then my pagan life, I had always been, um, enamored with the goddesses, you know, mm-hmm. and that was that was one of the very first things that I pottered me towards the pagan world was learning about goddesses, and um, the one that came to me when I'm holding this this gal's head in my hands, her whole life in my hands, and I thought, you know, the story of Kuan Yin when when she mm-hmm. went to enter into Nirvana and looked back and saw that there were people suffering and people crying, and she rejected it and said, I am staying here until no one's crying and no one's hurting. And that extreme compassion and that love of um, humanity and other people, it just, it spoke to me. And that seemed like that was my angle. You know, in in the book, excuse me, I mention a whole lot of different deities. Absolutely. I was going to say, you do a really good job from Bridget to Isis to Jesus. You mentioned uh, a whole array of different um, deities that work with healing. I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, like Kuan Yin is most special to me, but somebody else may Mm -hmm. really want to work with Bridget. Somebody else may not want to do deity at all and may, you might just transfer all of that to the earth. Or right. just love, you know. It, it doesn't have to be a deity if deities don't work for you. Right. But you know, and and it can be even though I'm not Christian, I can see where people could get a lot of, of value and healing from their own Absolutely. Christian deity. You know, so Absolutely. it's all inclusive. Everybody gets included. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You even talk about angels, which I found really interesting. Uh, your um, aspect about that. Angels, you know, the funny thing about the angels is um, I always viewed, being a recovering Christian (laughs) for a couple decades, I always thought angels, I I equated them with Christianity, and they're they're just not in my wheelhouse. It's not my Right, and a a lot of, I have, again, have read several authors who say that is not true. That they are a universal being. The the epiphany book for me was um, the Silver Raven Wolf Wolf book on angels. That Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what made me pick it up or why I picked it up. It's not a topic I would normally read on. Mm -hmm. But I picked it up and was just utterly fascinated. The book is just, just a cornucopia of information about angels and archangels and seraphim and cherubim and and I realized she 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 explains that um, these angelic presences predate the Christian Church and their energies mm-hmm. predate all of that and they're not mm-hmm. these, these babies flying around they're 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 something else you know right and <clears throat> I went to have an open mind about it and um, I can't remember if this story is in the book or if it's in I can't remember if it's in Pagan Curious or if it's in the massage book or if it got cut out but uh-huh. <clears throat> I was reading her book 
part, you know, I'm a little bit skeptical because I still have that residual mm-hmm. bitterness right. from Christian background. <clears throat> right. And a little bit of resistance, but I'm trying to have an open mind. And so I was in the section where she was talking about guardian angels. And I said, uh-huh. okay, I'll bite. I'll do it. I sat down there and I said, guardian angel, if, if you want to... um if you want me to know you, make your presence known to me today. And I happened to be traveling to a doctor's appointment that day. And mm-hmm. so I went to the doctor's appointment, and the doctor's appointment went fine. I was going to be fine, no big deal. And I said, okay, well, maybe maybe that was the angel. Everything turned out okay. I don't know. But then I realized, well, I wanted to go to my special rock shop. And mm-hmm. I didn't know I could get from one this part of town to that part of town because it turns out you could go way around on the freeway or you could cut through this really bad neighborhood that I had never driven through where they have a lot of drive-bys and drug dealings. I thought, I don't know if I want to drive through that. <clears throat> so I said, okay, guardian angel, I'm going to go for it. If you can get me from here to there, well, that must be the proof. Sure enough, I drove to the rock shop, piece of cake. You know, nothing nothing happened, nothing bad happened. Oh, okay. So, again, I say, oh, guardian angel, show me something in the rock shop to take me home to represent you. Sure enough, I find this beautiful little Selenite angel. I said, oh, okay. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and then I go to check out, and um, this, I must have written this in the massage book now that I'm thinking about it. But anyway... Uh-huh. I go to check out, and the girl says, oh, I asked for the owners. They they weren't in. I just adore them. She says, they're not here. They just got back from a rock show. Um, they have something for you. And I'm like, what? They have something for me. She pulls out this white horse carved out of bone. Now, my horse book is oh. horse. That is the horse spirit. And I'm like, oh, isn't that cool? That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so touched. I'm driving, so I'm thinking they gave me a nice gift. Isn't that sweet? Thinking the angel statue, found an angel statue in a mm-hmm. goddess box shop. That's not much of a stretch. <laughs> so I'm driving home, thinking about all this, and suddenly it strikes me, oh, my God. They didn't know I was going to be at the rock shop that morning. That morning, right. they're bringing this gorgeous pendant. It's a white horse that's deeply symbolic to me. I'm like, you dodo. There's the sign. It wasn't the yeah. doctor's office, the driver, the statue. What are the odds yeah. that that thing would be there that day when they didn't know I was coming in and it would be that thing? And then I went, yep, there's something to this. And so ever since, um, I do have my goddess altar that I I am there every day expressing gratitude each morning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I've been tortured into that thanking my guardian angel and asking for protection for me and my loved ones and my animals and um, added another layer of meaning and um, depth to to how I look at things and how I do things. And um, to anyone who's a little skeptical, I would recommend Silver's book because Mm-hmm. I think it's called Angels Are Magical Companions or Are Companions in Magic or something like that. Mm-hmm. But just fabulous. So there's there's my angel story. <laughs> That's so interesting. You do a really good job in your book, too, 
um, talking about basic magical um, concepts and an altar and and how to incorporate massage and touch into that practice. Yeah, essentially the massage table becomes your altar. Right. So in in magical practice, you know, we would we would uh, cast our circle, we would welcome the elements. Um, in a massage room, if, if your client's comfortable with that and you have space, you can do all that stuff. But in a massage room, as you're standing there, you can do this all mentally, creating right. this mood. It's the person's there with your hands on their back. They're just breathing. And you can create that magical circle and welcome in those elements and create that safe bubble and do to work on your, your altar, your massage table, and then release the energies and uncast your circle at the end as, as they're laying there with their head in your hand mm-hmm. and you're in that peaceful place where you're coming back up, you know, to consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a direct parallel. And um, in, there's a section in the book. Also, you know, we have in ritual, basic ritual steps, you know, Mm-hmm. And there's one place in the book where I've, I've done it step by step by step. Right. What you do a really good job walking people through the uh, basically a, a ritual if they're not familiar with right. it. So if you aren't familiar with ritual, then you can learn that. But if you're already familiar with ritual, picking this up and, and using it as a healing practice is going to be a piece of cake. If that, if you, you're in particular, if you're already familiar with ritual or if you're already familiar with massage, you're going to be enhancing stuff that you already know and already do. That's going to be who it's easy, most easy for is people who already do one or the other. But for people right. who have never done either, I, I think I've made it pretty gentle and easy to follow. You could walk in right. not knowing anything and, and pick this all up. Right. And you do a really good job in your books of giving us meditations and exercises like, um, and it's one I actually teach myself, um, feeling the energy of your hands. I, I also meet a lot of people who say, I don't know anything about energy. I can't feel it. And, and then you have to teach them, actually, you do know what it is and you can feel it. And people are, like, amazed when they can um, <laughs> learn that they can feel energy with their hands. Oh, yeah. That's, I think, well, you know, it's kind of a lot like magic, right? Because mm-hmm. when we're very small, we don't even question that we're magical beings. But right. people tell us it's silly or it's not real or that's bad. And little by little, we learn not to hear the whispers that are magical. We hear, we learn not to hear the little intuitions we get. You look this way or pick up this leaf. And it, it just kind of gets phased out. And I think the same thing is with energy. You know, we, we're we probably quite aware of it as small children. But then we're just, you know, distracted by other things we learn, other things right. we're taught. But but I think both magic and energy are, are things um, we can reclaim from our own infancies and toddlerhoods before we had the language skills for people to tell us that those things aren't real. Absolutely. And I will tell you another thing, the um, last half of the last third of your book is much more technical. 
about different parts of the body and handle, handle that. I Mm -hmm. happen to be somebody who lives alone. I loved for each section you had a, this is how you could do it to yourself. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And very important. You have to be able to feel, if you feel it on your own body, it's so much easier to recognize on another person, you know, to, Uh to realize, oh, in my forearm there are two bones. And it Uh feels very different if I press between the bones or on top of the bones, totally different. Or on my hand, I can feel the bones in my hand. The difference pressing between the bones or on the bones is entirely different. And so Uh um, the first familiarity is to find out in ourselves. Now, that's a little hard with the back. (laughs) That's one exception. But um, there's one exercise where you, you... Fold your hands behind your head, which leaves your thumb mm-hmm. on each side of your neck. Now, you can sit there. You can lay in your own bed and use your thumbs like that and and really work in the middle of those muscles and, and see, oh, if I push this hard, I see right. the achy bruise feeling. I That achy bruise, that's what I want, you know. And, and so it's funny, but a lot of times people don't stop and spend a lot of time thinking about what's under the skin. The bones mm-hmm. and the nerves and the blood vessels and right. muscles and te- your body is just a miracle of stuff under there. The things it can do and the, the little intricate parts. I mean, you could really get lost in just just learning about what's in your hand, you know, or what's mm-hmm. in your eye. Starting on yourself is is the safest spot, and then you jump from feeling that, and you feel it in the other person. And I also spent some time when. You know, flexing the muscles and moving the muscles, especially mm-hmm. the, the muscles in the leg and the buttocks. It's like, oh, I I now feel that muscle move because we move around and we don't think about it. It's so easy to just walk right. around. But oh, there's all these muscles and there's tendons and there's places where they attach. And you know, look if I if I press on where it attaches, oh, that feels really good. That that spot needs some attention. You know, <laughs> that is really. Um... Really, yeah, your book is excellent. So, and again, I say that because um, initially the first thought is, oh, if, you know, if I don't have a partner, this isn't something I could do. This book is, like I said, excellent, and you learn a lot, and I think it should be in every magical person's library. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Do you have a new book coming up, or have you... Uh, the writing bug hit you yet for something new on the horizon? <laughs> well, I do. I just signed the fourth contract, and Look I'm going to <laughs> gonna be doing a follow-up to Pagan Curious, and that was actually oh, good. my editor. And I had a, a multitude of ideas, and she says, "You know, you're kind of all over the place. How about you focus on, on something?" And, stick with <laughs> it? and she said, "She said follow-up Pagan Curious and." And at first, that really stumped me because I thought, wow, I put every single thing I could think of in that book. I don't know what else I could possibly think of that's not there. And then, so I asked somebody, I put it out on Facebook. People who have read the book, what would you want to read next? And one person texted me, and she was, you know, very new to all this. She says, well, I feel now that I really know what everything is, but I don't know what Uh to do with it. And that was mm-hmm. like, that's that's the thing. So the next book is I'm going to collect 
all that stuff that you learned and say, oh, well, you need to do it. You want to have something for for when you're sad or when you're happy. And we'll put all of that in, in, in this chapter, you know. And so for people that – it's sort of like when you get, like, a brand-new paint set. Well, I have the paint mm-hmm. set, and I, and I have the chalk, but I don't know what to do next. So it's going to be mm-hmm. step two. Got all the things you need. Now we're going to work on practice and experimentation and, and doing. So because, again, a lot of people, and I was one of them, a lot of people don't have a coven or a group. They're alone. Right. I'm definitely alone. I, I like to say in, in there's three people in the pagan community in my town, me, myself, and I. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's funny. That's group. cute. Um, right. I'm quite isolated. I have to drive, you know, at least 45 minutes to find a pagan community around me, mm-hmm. which is, you know, great when the weather's good and, and it's light outside. Right. But, you know, in the winter and it's foggy and it's pouring rain. That's prohibitive. And you get older eyes and they don't want to see so well at night. Right. <laughs> so I I have a huge sympathy for people that have this yearning for that magical world but nobody to turn to and nobody to practice with and and where to go and it can you know it can sometimes be a lonely thing just having only books to turn to and and at least now there's so many there's so many wonderful authors out there Mm -hmm. and uh, inspirational people and you know when I, I really started rethinking you know, my life as a columnist, I wasn't known for being a comfy, nice person. I was known as, as quite a brawler in words. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an edge, let's just say. And when I walked away from that world, I I thought, who do I want to be like? And Silver Ravenwolf came up. Um, she's all about positivity and welcoming people in. She mm-hmm. is just like whoever you are, wherever you are, come in and I just I just adore her approach. She was instrumental in me rethinking how I want to walk this path. And you had mentioned in your opening, Selena Fox, and I've been in several mm-hmm. of her stops um, out at PantheaCon, and she's always smiling, always welcoming. Oh, she's so she positive, feels, absolutely. And I want to be that person in the world. I, I don't want to be the person that anymore that's known to put up a good fight. It's, I just am tired of it. I think I think you you get past the midway point in life, and what you value changes. Yeah, so, absolutely. I would say that anyway. is probably very very true. I think that's I, I true. Rambled way, I rambled way far from your question, but that's no. That's this has been so a great. <laughs> tell folks where they can find you. What, what's well, your website? My website's deborahdeangelo.com. My do you do in, in person? Do you do you book appointments for massage therapy still? I do. I don't have a lot of openings. Um, okay. And I have time for writing, but I do still book appointments. In fact, I've booked two new people within the last month. Um, I do I do still practice that. On Facebook, I have my old Deborah D'Angelo page from my journalism mm-hmm. days. So before I really knew what I was doing, I also started a second page. It's called Garden Variety Pagan, and it's devoted oh, okay. specifically specific to pagan things. The other page is kind of all over the place, just like when mm-hmm. I was a columnist. 
garden variety pagan is pagan things only. That's where I put my workshops and and um, all the other things are there. I'm also you can find garden variety pagan on Instagram and then uh, Twitter. If anybody still goes to Twitter, <laughs> like like maybe they thought they needed some pain in their life and didn't feel like putting their <laughs> hands on they go to Twitter. Twitter's just miserable. But um, I do go to Twitter every day to check Silver Ravenwolf's posts. It's the only reason to show up. But I do see things there. I'm Deborah D'Angelo there. On um, Threads is the new one. Threads is still sort of evolving. I don't think anybody really knows what the heck it is. It's kind of fun, though. Um, I'm I'm Deborah D'Angelo there. So you can find me all over the place. I'm also on LinkedIn. And um, I can be contacted in any of those places. Besides massage uh, therapy, you also do tarot. Um, Do you teach classes? I do. In in fact, I'm doing my first, like, um, class for a a, a local shop October 7th, I think is the date, that first Saturday in uh, in October. going to do a full of um, a, a beginner's exploration of tarot, the major and minor arcana, I've also been teaching for University Magicus. I teach for them every other Monday. They they have this wonderful, wild, eclectic array of teachers <clears throat> in that online school. It's all online, and um, they have a variety of membership levels. But their their deluxe membership level, you can take all the classes. You could have classes every single day. <clears throat> it's all on Zoom. And what's it's the name? On- of, what's the name of the organization? I didn't catch it. University Magicus. Okay. And their website is magic with a K U magic dot org. Oh, okay. And so okay. I do I, I teach a whole variety of stuff there. And then I've I've been doing a tarot um gathering that I do not charge for. Um I started it holy cow, maybe six or seven years ago. And um, it just evolved. And it's sort of like when I first started writing columns. I didn't charge for my columns in the beginning first just to see if I could do it. You know, Mm -hmm. do I have something to say every week? And in the Tarot group, do I have something to offer every month? Turns out I did. And I learn as much from them as, as, you know, they do for me. In fact, the Pagan Curious book, was inspired by that group because they started asking about pagan things and I said I don't they weren't pagan people. I said I don't have a good book to suggest to you because they all seem to be about witchcraft. You know, some people mm-hmm. are not going to pick up a book on, a book on witchcraft. They're right. going to run from it like their hair is on fire. The word is so stigmatized. Right. And I said I just I don't know how I don't have a book to offer you. One of them says, "Well, you need to write it then." Bingo. <laughs> so that came out of that. That's group. so fun. But that that group, you know, with COVID, to go onto Zoom, and that forced me to learn how to use Zoom, and the rest is history. But Zoom is pretty cool because, you know, you some of the girls moved away, and they're in Idaho and San Diego, and 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 we can still all be together. It's not the same as being in person, but um, boy. During the COVID years, having that group to meet with every month was therapeutic for all of us. You know, and that's really the beauty of Tarot. It's not just reading for insight and intuition. You you hear people's stories and their lives start changing and they take information from those cards and 
they make different choices and they see patterns and it's just <clears throat> really fulfilling. And I also do private tarot readings as well. And I just, I love when people go out feeling enlightened and validated. That's just the best thing in the, in the world. Like they have a if new they idea. Wanted a private tarot, do you do that online or only in person? I haven't done it online except for just for freebies for a couple of times. Just with friends. Yeah. So I'd if they go to your time. website, will they be able to get information about that? I mean, I I okay. can do readings online. Um, okay. It's it's definitely possible, you know. And and this is the world we're in now. Everything that we want to do isn't right next to us. So I suppose that's the next place to branch out is to do it with Zoom. But um, Tarot is such a passion. You know, I was laughing. You were, you mentioned somebody reading books forever but not doing. Uh-huh. So I I studied Tarot for thirteen years. <laughs> Before oh, I stuck myself my included, out. I will put myself in that category. I tend to be in my head, so yeah, absolutely. I I was just scared to death to go. You know, because I see other people in the tarot world, like Mary Greer and Rachel Pollock, who we just lost, and there's these huge rock star people, and it's like I I just don't measure up. I have no business doing this. And I had a friend also a writer. Her name's Katrina Rasbold, a really wonderful, wonderful person. And we did a workshop together. (laughs) Excuse me. And she was the one that finally put her boot on my butt and shoved me out the door and said, you need to be doing this for real instead of hiding behind me or books or whatever. That is great. um, That's really fun. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to have somebody throw you in the water and say, start swimming. He says, that are you going to so step fun. for another 13 years or are you going to get out and do this? Okay. That is so fun. <laughs> I can't believe our time's at an end. You've got to come back when you write your next book. You're wonderful to talk to. Oh, I would love to. I'm, I love being here. This is great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on Circle Talk. And I know your listen, our listeners are going to love your newest book. Um, yeah, sacred massage and ritual of soothing touch as much as I did. I thought it was wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Besides Deborah, I'd like to thank Stephen, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And finally, I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for our, your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast or CSNP. Animal chaplains provide support for animals and humans who love them. Join us our next Circle Talk on September 19th as we discuss Sarah Bowden's book, Sacred Sundolph, an animal chaplain's advice for surviving uh, animal loss, making life meaningful, and healing the planet. She's wonderful. I met her uh, um, at the Department of World's Religions, and so I look forward to chatting with her and introducing her to you all. I look forward to being with you again, so please come back. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcast. 
We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.